Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. It's Good everyone. It is the 9th of July and this is episode 117. We've got a big show for everyone coming up for three reasons, mm. if I may count them, Pete. Uh, so first up, first most important reason, we've got Janet Olbrexen in the studio today. That's right. Chairman of the IPA, just come in, whole, you know, great long chat about all the issues around the world this week. She bought in a bottle of gin. Which was awesome. We encourage all future guests to bring on alcohol when they come on to the show. I couldn't think of a better start for a chairman. I was listening back to the interview this morning uh, for editing purposes and I called her bringing a bottle of gin into the studio the greatest day of my life, okay. which is interesting. At least uh, to be honest. Yeah. I, on reflection, maybe top three. Maybe not the best day, maybe top three, but um, definitely it was awesome uh, and an awesome chat. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. The second thing I want to bring up is we've got a whole bunch of new segments mm. for the show. So Pete and I, you know, we kept it pretty freewheeling for a long time That's and right. uh, it's about time we had some order and some structure to get rid of the chaos. And uh, yeah, so we've got a whole bunch of new segments. We're going to be debuting them through the show. We're really excited about all of them. One of them named after Bob Catter, I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we've got that to look forward to as well. And yeah, well, the, the suits at head office said we had to do it, so... And you know. we must abide by the suits at head office. That's right. Uh, and the third thing I want to bring up is that we've got these mugs. So uh, yeah. for people that are following on the IPA's YouTube channel, we're now holding up the new Young IPA podcast mugs. Yep, mine's oh, got metho in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, it's water. Mine's got uh, Janet's gin. And uh, so we'll be giving those out to guests as they come in. And then hopefully down the line, you can start buying them from the IPA itself, I guess. Mm. I, I don't know. 60 bucks a pop, I think, is what we were talking yeah, about. Uh, or, you know, just 400 and, or just a nice letter. Mm. You know, nice letter to me and Pete make us feel good and we'll sneak you one. Uh, Obviously, none of that is official. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get back on track. Okay. This is the chaos that we need to remove from the show, and this is why we have segments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so structure. let's get into it, because, Pete, you saw an article yourself that you were really excited about. That's right. I was in the week in Australia a couple of weeks ago, and it was about, you know, we've seen the vegan vegan, vegan protests in, <laughs> uh, in capital cities around Australia, and, of course, uh, farm invasions, people mm. going on the farms and nicking goats, stuff like that. Yeah. So... Um, anyway, this article is very interesting to me because, as it turns out, James, you need to kill a lot of animals to make peas. Mm. So It sounds like the worst saying in the history of the world. <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth in that, James, yeah. a lot of old world wisdom that uh, you have to kill a lot of uh, animals to make peas. 400 tonnes of peas made by every year in a farm in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand, Tasmania, as part of this article. Now, they have to kill 150 deer, 800 to 1,000 possums, and 500 wallabies every year, along with a few ducks. Yeah. I don't know, what's with the ducks? The ducks eating the peas? I don't get it. I, yeah, well, it, it's pretty sad. And then there's other stuff like it's uh, 40,000 ducks are killed each year to protect rice production in Australia. Like 40,000. Mm. And a billion mice are poisoned every year. That, this is a stat that jumped out at me. A billion mice are poisoned mm. every year to protect wheat in Western Australia alone. How many? How much mice is there in the world? The fact there's a billion mice in Western Australia. In Western Australia, Australia alone that need to be killed for wheat. It's like, terrifying. It's not, that doesn't include the mice that aren't... Uh, privy to the wheat production in yeah. Western Australia, yeah, or just you know are hanging out elsewhere. How many? All, all or the mice get away with it. All the mice that aren't hassling wheat farmers. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. So there's there's a lot of mice. There's so there. much mice. Uh, anyway, it's not the point of the story. It's not the point of the story. <laughs> and we're saying that they're like a lot pests. Of mice. We need to kill the pests, right? Yeah. To to grow this stuff. But um, there you go. Don't let a vegan tell you that they eat an animal. Free yeah, this is a ter- this is a uh, terrifying day for very arrogant vegans mm. in Australia uh, with their hoity-toity nature. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. a lot of vegans are very good, but some vegans who are very, you know, mm, I thought you did care about animals yeah. as I eat a steak. Yeah. <laughs> 
genuine thing that's oh, happening. Oh, look, I don't mind vegans. I, lo- I, don't, I don't like vegans that laying down in front of trams, yep. which makes it take me longer to get home. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't mind them. Yep. Anyway. Uh, anyway, tough call for them. Uh, so another story that's come out recently. So a Queensland government mines... So uh, there's been four deaths... Uh, there's been four deaths in the last six months mm-hmm. in mines in Queensland. And a Queensland government mine safety committee was forced into hiatus for nearly four months because it didn't have the right gender representation on its board. Mm-hmm. So we've got all these deaths happening and then it's just come out. There wasn't enough gender representation on the board. So the mine safety thing, the guys that probably could have helped stop this mm-hmm. has to close down. Well, it's very sad. And you always say to people, you know, do you support gender quotas when a relative of yours is on the operating table? Yeah. Do you want the best person for the job then? Or do you want someone who's there because of a diversity quota? Yeah. So, uh, look, very sad story, and who knows, you know, the, what role the actual committee plays in this stuff. But yeah, this is what this is the end point, really. Yeah, I like the idea that to. there's all these miners in Queensland who were previously getting all these rules about safety and about regulation, and then looking up and just going like, whoa, 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 whoa. who's setting these rules? Yeah. What's their What's the diversity of? I can tell this has been written by a bloody man. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not following it. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so look, now that is a sad story, and. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I assume there'll be a lot more about that in the major. Yeah, yeah, because the board is now being reintroduced next week, so they can, you know, hopefully get some stuff done. Mm. Because they hadn't met for four months, and you just think some of the problems might arise because you know a giant mine just got approved in Queensland. Yeah, I don't know. So if you they heard. probably need to uh, sit to figure some stuff out about safety there. That's right. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. So the Congressional Budget Office in the United States has done a study raising the minimum wage saying that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour would cost a estimated 1.3 million jobs in the United States. The current federal minimum wage is $7.25. Uh, the House Democrats have introduced a bill to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour by 2025, and most Democrats in the presidential field support that move. So the thing is, if it's hard for you to get a job at $8 an hour, you got no chance at $15 an hour. Yeah. Changing the minimum wage hurts the poorest people. Yeah. Makes it much more difficult for them, the most vulnerable people in society. It did. This study did find that a number of people would actually get increased wages, but they're a bit higher up the ladder. Yeah, and the other thing the study didn't really talk about, which is something that's really coming up, is that once you raise a minimum wage that much, it becomes cheaper for some companies to get robots to do it. Mm. Like, you definitely see this in, you know, fast yeah. food, like uh, fast food services. So... You know, it, like there are people that are better off and they can point to those statistics as like, this is why we should have it. But down the line, they're going to lose their jobs as the robotics uh, increases, I'd, I'd imagine. That's right. That's exactly right. And this is an important thing for our listeners who are young people because the minimum wage is a discussion, of course, that young people get involved in. Yeah. Often it's a lot of young people. Yeah. In who don't jobs. have skills and they don't have previous job experience and it is hard to get $15 an hour. Like, yeah, right. like you said, if you are already struggling at $7.50 now to find work, good luck at 15 Exactly, exactly. Right. All right, so let's bring in the first of the segments that we want in. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be called, well, Pete, uh, you're very proud of the name, so I'm going to let you do it. Well, I appreciate that, James. We're going to award every week, we're going to award a nomination, and then we're going to give out the award at the end of the year for the Grunt the Freedom Pig Medal. Wait, Grunt the Freedom Pig? Sorry? Grunt the Pig Freedom Award? Grunt the Pig Freedom Medal. Yeah, this is your t- this is your name. You can't even get it right. That's all right. That's close enough. Look, we all know what we're talking about. Grunt the Pig, the, the pig from Wangaratta, who yep. uh, got told that by, well, he's only got told. By well, I like to think the pig got told. Yeah, I mean, the pig The pig is privy to these conversations. Exactly right. So the pig got this bad news that it wasn't allowed to walk in the park anymore. The council lands in Wangaratta because uh, it's a pig. So yep. um, we thought that for, for the pig's effort in fighting for freedom, mm-hmm. for the pigs and people of Wangaratta, we're going to name 
the medal after him for the year. So we're going to each nominate someone each once a year, once yeah. a week, and then we'll do it. All right. And then concurrently, we also have a villain award. We've got a villain award. Yep. Okay. Do you want to introduce that in a sec? Or? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So let's go heroes now heroes and then now. villains. Yep. All right. Cool. So you go I'll, first. I'll go. My, okay. So my hero of the week is uh, Tiny Jag. Okay. So Tiny Jag is a rapper from Detroit. And she was uh, pulled out of a Michigan music festival after she learned that white people would be charged twice the amount to attend than people of color. Really? So she's biracial herself. Uh, she's, you know, emerging artist on the Detroit music scene. So her Spotify would tell you. Uh, and she's booked into this event called Afro Future. It's in Detroit. White people charge more. She's biracial. She goes, half my family would be charged more than the other half. I'm out of the festival. Really? Freedom Award. Good on your tiny jag. And so what happened? Did the show go ahead or? Well, it's part of a festival. So, you know, they had to book in a new person. Went but someone, someone took a stand. Someone took a stand. Tony that's what jag, matters. Great first nominee, James. Thank you. I've got one for you. All right, here we go. Very similar to Tiny Jag. The Honourable Rod Kemp. Yeah. <laughs> so, retired at the end of the financial year. They uh, get on so well. Oh, look, he's, he walked in with those with Tiny Jag's beats in his mm-hmm. ears. Uh, now, they retired. He's, he was obviously the outgoing chairman of the IPA. Retired at the end of the financial year. Howard Government Minister, Executive Director of the IPA back in the day. Uh, great interview last week on the Young IPA podcast. Didn't bring any gin. Yep. So maybe the, Noticeable. Maybe it was time to go, but, yep. you know, whatever. <laughs> Just kidding, Rod. Uh, massive contribution to freedom in Australia. The Grunt, the Pig Freedom Medal nomination. First up for me. Oh, so this is more like a Lifetime Achievement Award than particular action. It's just my nomination. For just your nomination. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, let's go to villains. So, yeah. uh, Pete, do you want to talk about the villain award? Well, it's called the ASDA Tyranny Award. No, the ASDA Award for Tyranny. Play on alliteration there. So ASDA, as we know, a couple of weeks ago, sacked a fella, a guy in his 50s who was a grandfather, a dis- disabled guy, who put a Billy Connolly sketch on his private Facebook and as a result got the sack, despite yep. offering a Stasi apology. Anyway... So for the biggest threat to freedom, the, the biggest purveyor of tyranny yep. each week is going to get the ASDA uh, nomination. So you go first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll lead off with mine. So my villain nomination this week is a British Maritime and Coast Guard agency. Now, this is a weird story to come out. So uh, basically, the person at the centre of the story doesn't want their name involved, but they are a Coast Guard uh, person. Like They're an officer. They rescue people on beaches yep. and his team was called to help out in Devon his team was called out to help out an 18 year old man who had drunk too much and was unconscious cold and wet in the sand dunes so previous to that sounds oh, like a pretty not. good night <laughs> things have gone awry they needed help so this uh, Coast Guard worker uh, there's no ambulances around the ambulances that had been called were, got diverted They've got a teenager on their hands who's getting really sick. Mm-hmm. So he decides, you know what, I'm just going to take this teenager to the hospital in my own van. And for that, he was told he was reprimanded, told to follow official health and safety, and was told that he would have to re-go. Tra- he would have to start his entire training again from scratch. You're joking me. I am not joking. So he's resigned. He's like, you know what, if that's the if that's what's the deal here, I don't want a part of it. So he stepped out. So the British Maritime and Coast Guard Agency, who set these rules mm-hmm. and have made this person, you know, I'm out. Uh, they're the villain of the week for me. Have a have an as the domination. So, where was that again? Just so I can make in sure. In Devon, I in England. So, oh. if you're ever getting drunk in sand dunes in England, be worried. You will need an ambulance close by. Any other form of vehicle is going to get a strict telling off. Not going to help. Yeah, it's not going to help. Right, well, hey, do you have a villain of your that you want to nominate? Great first up nomination. Thank you. My nomination is a little bit of a bigger entity called Nike. Okay. So these are the people, James. I'll remind you and the listeners. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And they've also done, last week, at the same time, they've pulled a shoe in the United States, which had the Betsy Ross US flag, which is the US flag with 13 stars. Yeah, like the original uh, flag. 
Exactly right. It pulled from sales because Colin Kaepernick reckons that it's racist. Okay. Then we find out last week that Nike, Nike withdrew a product. Nike? Is it Nike? It's Nike. Nike. <laughs> is it? What are you doing? People Nike. say Nike. I've never... Mark, is it, have you ever heard Nike? I have heard it. That's ridiculous. I've actually won it in the past. I sympathise with Kate here, actually. I, I'm <laughs> the only smart person in the room right now. <clears throat> it's Nike. Yeah, Nike. Yeah. Anyway, Mark hasn't got a microphone, so no one's hearing this. But um, <laughs> Nike, uh, Mark supported me. Anyway, we'll get we'll research this and bring it back here next week. Nike, Nike, whatever it's called, uh, Nike. They withdrew a product from the uh, Chinese market because the Japanese company that had designed it expressed support for the Hong Kong protesters on social media. Can I remind you? Yeah. Believe in something. Even if it means sacrificing everything, you absolute spineless hypocrites! You are happy to throw the Hong Kong people He's pointing at me while he does <laughs> it. Nike what? or Nike? Yeah, you're happy to throw the Hong Kong people under the bus, but at the first to- first sign that you might lose a bit of the sweet sweet uh, Chinese yuan, yep. you uh, you go the other way. Now I know it's hard for multinationals, and I don't expect them to not do business in countries that are repressive. You know, I mean, that's just like unlikely to happen. But don't lecture us yeah. about how we should behave. And, you and know, this is what to like, think, and this is the social justice issues we should care about. Yeah, you absolutely... I don't know why it's like, yeah. Well, look, uh, I'm, as outraged as I am at British Maritime and Coast Guard Agency, I think you've got to win the villain nomination for this week because the passion of that speech was quite something. It's not as passion I see from you a whole lot. Yeah, well, I usually don't care about stuff, but... <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so Nike, have an Asda and go and sort yourself out. <laughs> take it. Take an absolute uh, reflective glance. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got another segment for you guys before we go to the interview with Janet Olrexon. So this uh, segment's going to be basically be um, a variation of, we used to do a thing called Here's a Cool Thing mm. where it was like a story that's not getting a whole lot of attention. So we're mm. now going to bring that to the front of the show and really talk about mm. uh, stories that, yeah, they just, how is this, how is no one talking about this story? Yeah, yeah. Right. Here's a cool thing you haven't heard about. Exactly. Now, this has been so big this week that we've got two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's usually I that present these because I'm a bit more of a sunny optimist than James. James is a bit of a stormy personality. Yeah, a dark, jaded soul. Mm. Can be a bit of a sad sack, just saying. <laughs> recently right. referred to gin as the greatest day of his life. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes you get up and about. Yeah. Anyway. So GDP per capita rise, the average person in the world is 4.4 times richer than the average person in the world in 1950 as measured on a GDP per capita basis. Uh, that was in a blog post from Our World in Data, James. Uh, now, there's a few countries that in particular have really done well. Taiwan shows the power of free markets against poverty in 1950. The GDP per capita in Taiwan was 1400 US dollars. In 2016, $42,300, 30 times richer, now one of the richest countries in the world, despite being dirt poor in 1950. So that increase of 4.4 globally uh, is a cool thing you probably haven't heard about. Yep. And the other thing you haven't heard about that's a cool thing is on the weekend, Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari signed on to the African Continental Free Trade Agreement of the African Union Summit in Niger. So the agreement was signed by most of Africa in uh, March, but Nigeria is a massive country. It's like 150 million people. And so them and Benin signed on over the weekend, meaning that all every single country in Africa is now signed on except, have a guess. Uh, Eritrea. I may have read the story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that is I just, I, I'm a nerd. I like, I like anyway, things right. Anyway, it's Eritrea, Nike, Nike boy. Um, <laughs> so make of that what you will. Free trade for 1.3 billion people should be operational from July 2020. Yeah, and the economic block is like $3.4 trillion of wealth. So, mm. I mean... We say, like, no one's heard about this. It was a pretty big story on Reddit, but mm. it definitely didn't get into papers, and definitely people aren't talking about it as much as they should because, like, uh, yeah, as Pete said, 1.3 billion people just had their lives changed, which well, is awesome. Uh, James, you're right. Small, you know, no newscaster is going to say 
billions of people made a small incremental improvement in their life today. But they should. Well, we do. It certainly beats some of the stuff that's in the papers this week. That's right. What's what we do? So welcome to the podcast. Uh, Awesome. Uh, So that is it for the stuff at the start of the show. So if you have your own nominations for Heroes or Villains Mm. of the Week, get in touch on the Facebook page or Twitter or anything. Um, Maybe it's us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James M. Bolt on Twitter and Pete, what are you? Peter J. Gregory 3. really good question. Yeah, I think it's that. Uh, So anyway, get in touch with us if you've got your own Heroes and Villains and nominations or maybe you want to vote on which one uh, out of me and Pete's nominations should win. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review on iTunes if you're enjoying the show uh, or in telling your whole friends and family about the show to get more people involved. And make sure you're also subscribed and downloading Looking Forward podcast next week. Uh, sorry, tomorrow they're going to be talking about a whole bunch of cool things, uh, the religious discrimination laws that have just been announced at the moon landing as well. I don't know what's the, what things that's going down, but it's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Oh, cool. So they're going to be talking about that. Did it happen? Probably not what they're going to talk about, but they should mm, um, yeah. investigate. Um, I forget, were we the anti-moon landing podcast or was it some How other could you conspiracy? Forget? <laughs> no, we were definitely the anti-moon landing podcast. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, all right, and go do that as well. All right, let's go to our interview with Janet Albrecht. Cool. Okay, we are now joined by the new chairman of the Institute of Public Affairs, Janet Albrechtson. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Good to be here. Uh, so we're going to be talking about a lot of what you've got planned for the IPA and a few of the issues that we're going to be talking about. But I thought Pete and I wanted to start with the the elephant in the room, which is uh, can Pete and I get raises? <laughs> can I get back to you on that? Yes, you can. Can I take that on notice? Uh, we'll, yeah, okay. Make your case. Yep, we will. Write up, write up a proposal. Hopefully this interview will be our case. Okay. And we can decide yes or no whether or not that's all right. <laughs> okay, I'll let you know at the end. Okay, but uh, let's get into it. So you're the new chair of the IPA, taking over from Rod Camp. So why are you excited to become chair of the IPA? And uh, what have we got, like, what have you got in store? Oh, gosh, so much. There's so much change going on here now. It's exciting. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> have you not been told about the change? Uh, no, we were told about something and then yeah. they asked us to leave the room for a while yeah. and then uh, Pete and I kind of forgot about it. No, no. I have, I have one change and that's in relation to your podcast. I thought I'd start a new tradition. Okay, really? cool. Okay. All right, Janet. And that is that when you have a guest. For our listeners, Janet's just pulled out um, something. I've got a brown bag. Oh, my, oh my God. And I thought we should just bring our favourite drink. Yep. Brilliant. So I've got ink gin. Which turns pink when you put some tonic in it. All right, fantastic. And a lime. What do you right. think about that as a tradition? Because it could start up a nice little liquor cabinet at the IPA for yeah. Friday night drinks. Uh, look, I would encourage all of our future guests to bring us alcohol. It's a good way to <laughs> really up the interview. Already our favourite guest. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best day. You've got to ingratiate life. yourself with the hosts I've worked It's out. a shame we're recording this at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, well, I was hoping you would <laughs> mention that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's improved it. It's really going to see me fly through the day, I reckon. Fantastic. Thanks, Janet. Anyway, that's, a st- that's one change that I've just instigated this very second. All right. You're getting the feeling it's going to be a new kind of place. Yeah, (laughs) definitely a lot more fun. (laughs) No, look, um, the great thing about the IPA, uh, James and Pete, is that Rod Kemp has handed over to me the most amazing organisation. It's not like I need to sit here and go, oh, I think we need to change that. I think this has to go. Mm -hmm. What we have been doing um, for 75 years and what we do now in terms of taking the research that we do and putting it into this studio and talking about it and getting the message out, having Gideon Rosner um, outside the Peter Ridd mm-hmm. trial every day, tweeting while the trial was underway, that's the kind of stuff that we'll be doing much, much more of. And we've got this amazing studio that we're sitting in here today. This is the beating heart of the IPA because it allows us to get our research out. 
that's what I have in plan. Terrific right. stuff. So you mentioned last night we had an event uh, welcoming you to the IPA. You said that uh, obviously we had the election victory for the quiet Australians. You said that was uh, created an optimism in the community and, and this idea that we're going to roll our sleeves up and start to get things done. What do you think, uh, what kind of opportunities does that present for the IPA and what kind of challenges do you think that presents for us? Uh, yes, that very important point, both opportunities and challenges, mm. because we um, the election told the left that people do not want class war. And this wasn't just about tax reform. This was, if you have one side of politics inviting Australians to say yes to class war, that's, a, that's about our culture. That's about values. That's not, you know, the Australian way. It's not egalitarian. And Australians said no to that. So that is an incredibly important moment, I think. Uh, it wasn't a landslide victory, but it was an incredibly important moment for the country to say no to that kind of... And it was the Labor Party going, you know, to the left of the Hawke-Keating uh, model, yeah, yep. right? So they deliberately did that. They knew they were doing it. Uh, Bill Shorten campaigned, you know, uh, more on sort of the, the ghost of Gough Whitlam than, than Bob Hawke which I think was terribly unfortunate. And Australians said no. So the opportunity now is to actually harness that. And I think I can feel it in our membership with our donors. Um, everywhere I go, there is a, there's goodwill behind the government to actually embrace what the election meant, whether it was on uh, class war or on climate policy or a whole range of issues, religious freedom. Um, so the trick will be for us to make sure that the government delivers and Scott Morrison soon after the election gave a speech on red tape in Perth. That's yep. fantastic. We've been doing that research for years, yeah. right? We have been asking the government not to do this kind of pretend, yeah, we're going to have a look at red tape, but actually, you know, roll up their sleeves and look at the regulations that are stopping people from running businesses that flourish. That's what we need to do. Make yeah. sure they stick to their word. Yeah, exactly. Because like when the election results were coming in, there was a lot of traditional Labor heartland seats which were showing huge swings of Liberals. Because I think you know the old traditional Labor Liberal divide is really switching around, and there's like a whole bunch of new people that the Liberal Party can talk to, and you know the IPA can talk to because they're starting to really wake up and care about religious freedom, freedom of speech, and all these other things. James, you couldn't be more right because if you look at um, who funds the IPA. Uh, ten years ago, it was big business. You know, it was the elite of Australia. Today, it's not big business at all. They give us zero dollars. It's 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 small, quiet Australians. It's people who have built businesses from nothing. I mean, I, I love talking to some of our biggest donors because they started out with nothing mm. and they built their businesses from nothing. And you cannot do that if you have government on your back. And I'll tell you a story on the Monday after the election. Uh, I, like many people, was convinced um, that Bill Shorten would win and that we would have a Labor government th for three years. I went up to my butcher to get the meat on a Monday morning, as mm -hmm. I do. Uh, well, actually, it was Monday afternoon after I'd written my column. But uh, I walked in, and there's a young guy called Chris uh, at the local butcher. And we often have a chat about politics, and he likes to read The Australian. He's a good bloke. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and I said to him, so, Chris, what did you make of the election? And he said, I don't know why you guys were so worried. Really? Like, I, I didn't know anyone who was going to vote for Labor. He said, all my mates live down south. You know, this is down you know, south in Sydney, mm -hmm. um, away from where I live. We, we just want government to stop telling us what to do mm. and what to think. That's the other thing. You know, we are sick of people telling us what's the right thing to think, what's the right thing to say. Mm -hmm. That's so what people have had enough of. Give them a plug. 
Give them a plug. What's, Lucas Meats, McPherson Street, Bronte. There you go. Go yeah. there. Get stuck in. I've got one more question about the. Oh, you're allowed to advertise. That's fantastic. Uh, we are, we oh, are. I feel so liberated. Oh, if they send in bottles of alcohol, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. Or a leg of lamb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll make something happen. No, so we mentioned, you know, the challenges about the election, right? And this optimism about now we're going to get things done. Do you think there's an op- there's um the chance of complacency creeping in? We always see the coalitions won like seven of the last ten elections or something. And I think it was John who said, but it still feels like Labor run the country. Mm. So there's lots of other cultural institutions that we don't control. You know, elections are just one of them. Do you think complacency is an issue and something the IPA has to fight against? Pete, I will do everything I possibly can to make sure that it doesn't mm-hmm. because I do get a sense that this feels different to the last election. Yep. We have a different Prime Minister. I said last night um, when, when I spoke to a wonderful group of people, IPA supporters, I said, uh, Malcolm Turnbull is right. This is a really exciting time to be in Australia. And he was only out by three years. Yeah. Right? We have a new Prime Minister. It's not Malcolm Turnbull. And it is a really exciting time. And we have to make the most of that. We cannot let complacency slip in. I think um, I worried before the election that complacency was going to allow Bill Shorten to become Prime Minister. We'd had, you know, what, 27, 28 years of economic growth, uh, that people had not focused enough on what it meant. I think they did focus on what it means. I was wrong. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, You talked before about how Australians want people to get off their backs about what they think. And I think, you know, a huge story is happening right now of just that with the Israel Folau saga. Uh, It's not going anywhere. So what's your take on it? And why do you think it's just really become such a big issue? It's become a big issue for a very simple reason. And that is, should a man be sacked for quoting from the Bible? That's, you know, it's as simple as that. And I think a lot of Australians, uh, and uh, I'm agnostic, I don't, I don't, I don't read the Bible, I, I certainly don't go around quoting it, but I believe that a man should be allowed to quote the Bible. And it is, uh, there will be a lot of people saying this is just about contract, and I would love to see what Izzy Folau's contract says, because that is relevant. Mm. But beyond that issue, it has become... It's, it, it's like a bonfire of all the things that have driven us crazy for years. Religious freedom, what's ever happened to that? Freedom of speech, speech what's ever happened to that? Corporate virtue signalling, why the hell do we have to keep hearing from companies who have assumed this sort of papal role in our society? I mean, yeah. you know, it is incredible to watch the secular left become so religious about their codes of conduct telling us that we have to believe in this and that and yet a man like puts a post up about the bible and he has to be sacked i i think this is going to be bigger than ben hur it has been great seeing the left embrace laissez-faire labor market regulation and thinking that you know now bosses can fire anyone for anything that's been great it's great to have them on board for that um what so what happens next with this so you know, they go to the courts. Do you see it playing out for years and years or what do you think is going to happen? Can I just go back to the left? Because it's been really interesting to see uh, people on the left come in and support Israel Folau's right to quote from the Bible Mm -hmm. because, you know, while some of us think there are lots of dumb people on the left, there are an awful lot of smart people and they understand what this means. You know, this means that employers will be able to sack people uh, for all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, for espousing leftist views, for, you know, wearing a hijab, for, you know, all, all, all manner of things. So this is a line in the sand for a lot of people. 
I even think, I don't know if it was a dream, but I, I think Gillian Triggs even said that she, she did, yeah. thought that Israel Folau should not be sacked. Mm. And I thought, this is the woman who said we couldn't talk freely <laughs> around the kitchen table. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, has she changed her tune. Yeah. Where was she when she was the boss of the Human Rights Commission? That was precisely the view that we needed to hear from someone like that, and yet we didn't. So, you know, this is, this is an important change. Um, I think the pressure now on sponsors is interesting to watch because it, it might mean that they settle. Okay. Because if they don't settle, it's going to be huge. There will be, I'm sure, sponsors called into, you know, joined in this action. There will be discovery of every bit of evidence, every email, every phone conversation between the bosses at Rugby Australia and the people who run the sponsors. Um, that will be fascinating. I'm sure sponsors will not be happy to be dragged into that litigation. And yet that is the threat. Because if you are going to tell a sporting code, um, um, if you're going to pressure them in this way, then you'll probably get held to account. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, every single day that this goes on, there's just more support for Israel Folau and less support for the companies that are starting to weigh in. Like, I yeah. mean, ANZ went out of their way to get bad press about this. Like that, that was lunacy. Into it for no reason. I mean, they had been watching this unfold, presumably. Uh, are there not smart people running these places who look at how this is unfolding and thinking, yeah, we might stay out of that one? Yeah, yeah. And instead they just leapt right in, not to go after Israel Folau, but to go after his wife, for goodness sake. Exactly. So there are not, you know, we have this assumption there are a lot of smart people running the country. It's, it's not true. It's not true. We need to expose these people. That's right. I've got this theory that all the big corporates are run by their social media and HR departments. That's my... Oh, yeah. you are so right. Who was it that said we had to brick up, you know, every, every um, you know, PR, HR department in companies because um, they breed. They get bigger and bigger. They yeah. just need to be bricked up so that they can't get out. Exactly. <laughs> um, I've got one final point. I think that uh, what this shows, and now we complain about social media all the time, but... Um, the, the GoFundMe aspect, or not the GoFundMe as it turns out, but the technology around enabling the group funding of this enables someone like Israel Folau to fight it. Because when you were talking about settling it just then, I was thinking, well, it's so difficult for an individual to raise that much money, even though he's pretty well off. But he can't fight big corporates. But the technology aspect actually means that he maybe can continue to fight it for longer than he otherwise would have. You know, it's true he is well off, but why should he lose a big part of the money that he has you know, earned mm -hmm. Because uh, because Rugby Australia have sacked him for quoting the Bible. So I, I think it's actually irrelevant how much money he has behind him. Um, what it shows is, as you say, Pete, the power of technology. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that is something that we at the IPA are absolutely embracing because if in the space of, what was it, a day and a half, Australians had contributed $2 million to support something they believe in, you know, get in there, support the IPA. Am I allowed to pitch? If I'm, if I'm allowed to advertise for the local butcher, I must be allowed to advertise. You can advertise for public Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be weird if we banned the IPA plugin, <laughs> but any butchers you want to mention, that's fine. But it's true, you know, I mean, John Roskam, our fabulous CEO, always talks about, when he mentions technology, he mentions Jordan Peterson. Mm. Okay, yeah. you've got millions of people watching Jordan Peterson. They don't have to watch the mainstream media. They don't have to have gone to university. They are accessing information in a totally different way. And you can access information, you can support groups yeah, in all sorts of ways, very quickly and easily these days. And that's empowering 
empowering for them and it's empowering for us. And I think it's also going to change things because, like, as Beat says, Israel Flower is well off. And I wonder if, like, people would go, oh, I would donate, but I'm sure he's got. But, like, you think about, you know, like the, the Christian cake shop owner in Colorado or the guy from Asda in the UK a day ago. Like, these people that can't raise funds. Like, I think that's – if something like that happens in Australia where someone, you know, a small fry mm. would – get into it. I think that's when Australians are really going to start opening their wallets. Yeah, I agree. We almost have to have a site where we can because Israel Folau had a profile, Mm -hmm. but of course his profile grew exponentially every time Rugby Australia stuffed up in this saga, right? So even Victorians know who Israel Folau is now. Yeah, I know what team he plays for now. (laughs) Wow. I think I've forgotten. Is it the Waratahs? I don't know. So when GoFundMe shut down um, the, the, uh, the crowdfunding page for Israel Folau, I donated to the new site run by yeah. Australian Christians Lobby and I doubled my donation. Mm. That's what happens. Mm. Well, let's move on to the next topic. There's, this morning there's a Religious Freedom Bill workshop for MPs. Um, what's your view on this and, and do you think it's crazy that Australians have to create special bills to ask for their human rights back? It's really demeaning, isn't it? It tells you what's happened to human rights, not just in Australia, but right across the West, that we have to go cap in hand asking government for the right for religious freedom. Um, these are rights that are inherent as us as human beings. You know, the dignity of being a human being means that we have the right to say what we want, we have the right to associate with whomever we want, and we have the right to believe in what we want. And if government want to um, uh, curb those freedoms, they have to come to us and make the case for that. That's how it works. That's the that's the liberal project at mm-hmm. work. Yep. And yet we now find ourselves, because of the way that human rights have been defined and corrupted so that free speech isn't a core human right anymore. For expression, um, freedom of religion is not a core human right anymore. There are all these other, you know, new fandangled, you know, diversity and tolerance and, and all those kinds of things. They get, they have uh, been given pride of place. Broadband internet. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> Hey, I'd like to add my own. But (laughs) the result is that we've got all these anti-discrimination laws which have uh, corrupted the whole system across the states and federally so that we now have to ask for an anti-discrimination law for religious freedom. And it's layer upon layer upon layer. No one knows how they work together. It's an absolute mess. You just want to scrap it all. I mean, if the government were really brave, here's an idea get rid of all the anti-discrimination laws, start from scratch about what's important, the rights that are important, um, and focus on that. All right, brilliant. Uh, we talked a lot about the challenges facing freedom in Australia today, but uh, and we have also talked about how Australians are starting to wake up. So would you be overly optimistic about the future of freedom in Australia or maybe pessimistic? Oh, no, I'm absolutely optimistic because what you see, not just in Australia with groups like the IPA, but across America, the UK, we're all reaching out to each other and uh, we're talking to each other and making sure that when someone like Israel Folau is attacked, um, that that gets coverage everywhere because these are universal issues and there is a real movement, I think, um, which is bolstering itself and... Even more importantly, it's being bolstered by those wonderful, quiet Australians who are stepping up. And I don't think I saw that when I first joined the IPA, and that was only three or four years ago. I didn't get that same sense. I'm much more optimistic now than I was three years ago on the freedom front and politically too. So, you know, it is an exciting time, Malcolm Turnbull, to be an Australian. What about what about globally? Like we, see, we saw quite British people 
vote for Brexit and quite Americans vote for Trump and stuff. Are you optimistic globally as well? Yeah, I am. I am. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a tidy time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a messy time. But I'm a firm believer but that when our freedoms have been chipped away constantly for decades because, you know, the left has taken over the institutions and, and, and people have become complacent. I mean, the biggest problem is that people have become complacent about freedom and they need to understand that if we are not defending it every day, uh, then we lose. And we, so we, it's, it's like trench warfare. Izzy Folau pops up, we have to defend him, right? And we might win there. Something else pops up, we have to be defending that. Because if we're not, we just slowly lose without realising it. So it is a, it's a battle. I think we're up for it. We're certainly up for it at the IPA. But universally, I think more people are stepping up and, and uh, yeah, confronting the battle. Brilliant. All right. So, Janet, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, but before we do let you go, we have to come back to the raising <laughs> question because, you know, did we make the case? Can we decide over a drink? Okay, fair enough. She yeah. brought gin, that's she pretty good. She did good. bring gin, all right. I'd yeah. be happy to be paid in gin. You know, we're, we're, we're very lean and mean here. Yeah. That's right. As cool. you know. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, Janet, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks thank a lot. You. Okay, thank you too, Janet Olbrexen, for that interview. All right, so we've got another segment for you guys. So just when you thought we were done with segments, we'll come back at you with another. Uh, Pete, set this one up for us. Well... Oh, Will James, thank you very much. Just before the interview, we talked about stories that you should know about that you probably don't. Yep. This is a story that everyone's... These, this section is for stories that everyone's fired up about yep. that they shouldn't really care about. And if there's anyone who knows what we mean by that, it is Bob Catter. But I ain't spending any time on it because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. I mean, absolutely. So these are the stories that, uh, you know, we... No person in all good conscience, could mm. ever focus on when the crocodile situation is this bad. Mate, God bless Bob Catter and Bob, God bless Far North Queensland. Absolutely. It's quite a mouthful when yeah. you try and say it. <laughs> Scott Morrison's underrated for his ability to say that. That's uh, right. All right, so what is... Who, who wants to introduce well, the story? Uh, I can do it. Go. So the I Ain't Spending Time On It story for this week yep. is a story about Disney. Yeah. So Disney has cast a woman of colour in the role of a traditionally white princess for one of its live-action remakes for the first time. Yeah. Now, what a category. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a live-action remake of an anim- animation film. Yep. Anyway, this is apparently is a controversy. Very niche. These Oscar categories are getting very niche, if you ask me. Exactly. Uh, right. All right, so basically, Ariel is black in the next one. That's in right. In the next one, Ariel is black. And I've never seen... like. On the left, there was like this whole thing of like, I can't believe all these racists coming out and mm. saying how much of this. And everyone's getting fired up about like, oh, look at all the outrage that's created. Mm. I didn't see any outrage. Did, Did you, you see any outrage? Not really. No. It's based on the story. They yeah. said there was outrage. They said there was, there's all this outrage about Ariel being black. Mm. I couldn't see any. So there was like this, the hashtag was not my Ariel. And I'm looking through it now and I encourage anyone to go to hashtag not my Ariel and find me a single person with more than 14 followers yeah. that is actually fired up about this. Okay. Because there's a whole lot of brave stands being taken against people tweeting hashtag not my Ariel. A lot of like, ah, for all you people who are hashtag not my Ariel, look at all these other things that you should care about. Yeah. No one is actually angry about this. Okay. And really? the idea that like there are people like I like the idea that there, there are these like, you know, MAGA hat wearing racist kind of guys who are like, I am upset <laughs> about this casting of the Little Mermaid. I was yeah. gonna go see it opening night, but no longer. Yeah. I mean that that was why no one should spend any time on it, because there's literally not an outrage. Well, and that's an interesting point. And I think that what my thing so with the not my aerial thing, yeah. It was like 
oh, she should be a ranger. Yeah. <laughs> because she's Danish. <laughs> but like, there's heaps of Danish people that aren't rangers. Yes. Um, and But you're saying that didn't even happen. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, uh, I couldn't find any outrage at all, mm. but there's a whole lot of people congratulating themselves about taking a brave stand against the outrage. And therefore, since there is no outrage, I ain't spending any time on this until we sort out the situation in final with Queensland with all these crocodiles. Well, that's great, James, and I agree. And yep. I think that if there was outrage, I think that anyone on either side spending any time on this shouldn't be. <laughs> the way you did was bad. Uh, and that is the official podcast statement. All right, uh, cool. I've got another story here. So... This one is fantastic. So Zach Ford is this, uh, he's a writer, he's big on Twitter, uh, and he shared a story and a tweet. Uh, basically, the idea was he had a childhood friend that he came across on Facebook wearing a MAGA hat while holding a daughter. And okay. he got in touch with her to say, look, it's the hat or me. He like, literally was like, I can't in all good conscience keep you as a friend yeah. uh, if you choose to continue wearing that hat. Yep. And the friend said, well, I'm going to choose the hat. And so he went on a tweet saying specific, uh, sorry, basically the tweet I saying my friend and I are now no longer friends no. because she wore a hat. Yeah. Imagine telling the entire internet that you are less meaningful to someone than a hat. Well, look, I think that that is something. And as you said, you know, look, he got... What's it called? Ratio. You got ratioed. Always forget that ratioed uh, comprehensively based on that. And this guy is a prominent progressive writer. Is yeah. Right? Exactly right. Now, my, he wrote this piece about this as well. And my two favorite bits from that is when he said, I am significantly emotionally wounded. Yeah. No, you're not. No. <laughs> and the second thing he said, when she claimed that she's equally offended by the pride flag, I corrected her again, explaining that, a, that objecting to a symbol of inclusion is in no way comparable to objecting to a symbol of exclusion. It sounds like you're mansplaining a bit there, Zach. Yeah, I think that's I informed her she was correct. Yeah. I mean, incorrect. Uh, I'm sorry. Your emotions are not what you should have right now. Yeah. This thing yeah. that I like is the correct thing to yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you see things from my point of view exactly and then right. you'll realise I'm right. Anyway, so, look. I mean, that's pretty funny. It is pretty <laughs> you're funny. You're less meaningful to it. someone than a hat and you're telling the entire internet about it. Yep. Pretty good. All right. Uh, let, let's talk about the uh, Chris Kobach. Okay, so Chris Kobach is a Republican running for the US Senate in Kansas. Uh, now, this guy has been has made uh, a career, not a career, but one of the key issues of his career has been voter registration and enforcing stronger identification checks on people who uh, register to vote. And one of those things include people that spell their names wrong should not be given the right to vote, which is a controversial thing in America. Now, Chris accidentally entered, filled in the form incorrectly to join the Senate race. He spelled his own name wrong. His name is Chris, spelled K-R-I-S. Yep. He spelled it as C-H-R-I-S. Yeah. I mean, obviously it wasn't him. It's a bad start. It's not a great start. It's a bad start. Like, leave, uh, for me, it's like leaving aside voter registration and all mm. these things. Bad start. Just just in, on its own, even if you hadn't done all that. Yeah. Mm. To be honest, I'd quit the campaign. Like, le- like there's no, like, starting with that bad and omen, <laughs> we yeah. can't even put, get the form in. Like, I assume f- the name is the first question on the form. Yeah, first name. Uh, if you can't even get that right, the campaign's not recovering from that. That is an all-time meltdown. It's not great. And look, I think it's probably fair to say that someone in his office filled out the form. But even that, it's don't like... don't care. The guy's name's on the building somewhere. They don't know what your name is. Also, like, if he spells it K-R-I-S, you notice that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't forget. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, and... Um, all right, uh, let's move on to another tweet that we saw this week from Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Been okay. a while since she's been on the show. It has been a while yeah. since you've been on the show. Yeah, that we've mentioned it. We should get it back on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. So basically, uh, she there's, there's a book coming out about Trump where Trump compares her to Evita Peron. Mm-hmm. And she decided to wear this um, cape 
for good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, she tweeted all these like Evita Peron quotes that she agreed with. Yeah. Uh, one of them being like, I know that like every woman of the people, I have more strength than I appear to have. Okay. Uh, unfortunately for Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Eva Peron, bit of a Nazi sympathizer. Um, that can be debated, but one thing that is for sure, her husband, Argentine President Juan Peron, most definitely aided and abetted Nazis, including Adolf Eichmann, the, uh, the architect of the Holocaust. Ooh. Bad look for her. She's had a few of these recently, hasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Uh, I just like the idea of quoting Nazis favorably to own Trump. Like, yeah. that'll learn him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. call me a Vita Peron. Let's see how we go with this. I am a Vita Peron. I'll meet you on that field. Yeah, so let, let, then that's another one. So I feel like she's done a few of those recently, and she's done a few historical things, which she hasn't known who they are, effectively. Basically. Um, so, pretty bad tweet. Okay, so that hasn't gone down well. Yeah. Uh, I've got one for you, James. Bob Brown's Adani campaign has not gone out that well. Damien Tomlinson in the Courier Mail pointed out yesterday on Twitter, which we don't like, but sometimes we like, pointed out that the Stop Adani non-violent fighting fund to stop the mine has only raised $23,000 in 10 days. Mm -hmm. And that's not very much. And it's a lot less than Israel Folau. And I'm starting to think that maybe people care more about their freedoms than climate change. No, that can't be right. Really? Yeah. Uh, I require further further research. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's a it's a bad look for Bob Brown. It's a bad look for the Stop Adani campaign, and mm-hmm. um, because you know Israel Folau has really set the bar of like public uh, campaigns quite exactly high. Right. Uh, so I did a bit of a brainstorm to try and figure out how they can turn this around. And oh, that's good. So what I thought was like you know a whole lot of people that would donate to the Stop Adani movement would have the opposite side to Israel Folau and his issues. So what you can do is try and get the Adani mind to quote the Bible, and I think that'll really fire up people on your side yeah. then they start sending you money that's not a bad just got to find a way to get that mine to quote matthew eight seventeen. that's i have right. no idea what that is you should write that right in yeah you, you don't know what that is i have absolutely no idea what matthew eight seventeen is i just thought i'd add a specific in yeah and we'll just see what comes like i'm gonna google it afterwards see what i hope <laughs> that doesn't work out badly mind. for you that could be literally anything yeah um uh, cool all right uh let's okay uh another thing we're gonna do in you with the show we're going to be talking about a few of the things that people watch on Netflix and all yeah. these like culture things. So, You'll probably have to carry most of the load with this. Yeah, Pete has seen two movies and listened to three Oasis albums. Yeah, and that's, that's right. his culture. Uh, or that's that's come on, mate, that Pete does with culture. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Stranger Things, the new season has come out. Now, I have actually seen that, by the way. I have not got around to the new season. Have you got around to the new season? No. Okay. So I haven't got around to the new season yet. I watch it with someone. They're overseas. When they come back, we're watching yeah. it. Well, that's not. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm like that. Yeah. I'm a nice guy. Uh, so Stranger Things season three, yet to watch. But one story that's come out is how much smoking is involved in Stranger Things season three. So the Truth Initiative, which is America's largest nonprofit public health organization committing to making tobacco use a thing of the past did a study about like oh what are the shows that show smoking mm-hmm. and netflix ranks really badly for some of these shows because really? mainly house of cards oranges and new black and stranger things uh takes takes a cake like that's got the most smoking of any of the shows interesting so netflix have said no more smoking on stranger things three or we're yeah. going to cut back original programming that has smoking okay or smoking on original programs now i got bad news for people but people did smoke in the 80s. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have a show set in the 80s in, like, uh, Midwest, you're going to have to show people smoking. So what's the thinking? If we see less people smoking, then yep. less people will smoke in real life. Exactly. Uh, other bad news, people smoke in prison for okay. Orange is the New Black. I've got bad news for you there. And then House of Cards, they're villains. That's yeah. the point of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's looking at that going, oh, man, I want to be like that guy, especially not now. Uh, but anyway, the other thing with Netflix is there's literally a show on there about teen suicide. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Have 13 Stranger Things renewed. Yep. Uh, 
but you can't have smoking. Well, and this show, Stranger Things, is about kids getting abducted. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, which to me seems a bit worse than smoking. Yeah. And uh, also a big government plot, I believe. I haven't seen it for a while. Yes. To cover up aliens. Okay. Uh, and last thing that we, um, yeah, we need to get to the bottom of that. All right. So last thing we got in the show this week. So last night we put out the call on Facebook for a mailbag section. Ooh. So we're going to play around with that a few different ways. We're going to see what works. So... Basically, at the moment, I just think, you know, people, if you've got a question for the show, if you want to read out me and Pete to answer your question, get in touch involved, or get in touch with the Facebook page or leave a comment for us on iTunes, basically with your question. Yep. And Pete and I will read it on the show. I think Berjo in future weeks, we're going to be getting you to read that out. So look forward to that mm. as he grimaces. Uh, so anyway, be- so last week, uh, so last night, we got the question on the Facebook page for me and Pete, what was our favorite interview? So okay. I, I understand I, this is a question without notice. I've only just asked you this. That's all right. Uh, so what would your favorite interview be? Well, what do you need time to think? Because I've got mine. I'm, no, I'm ready to go. Go, go take I'm it away. Quick think up. Yep. So I've got two. Okay. Uh, got two answers. Uh, Brendan O'Neill. Yep. This the one we filmed because Brendan O'Neill is the hero of mine, right? Yeah, just that really was an like awesome him. interview. Love That's his... still on our YouTube channel. If people are new to the show, yeah. go back and watch that uh, interview on our YouTube channel because that was a lot of fun. That was good. And also interviewing one of my other heroes, Tom McDonald, who plays my favourite footy team. That was a good day. He was very excited for that day. It was great. It was a really great day. We interviewed him. Actually knows all this stuff about Jordan Peterson, not just a dumb footy player. Yep. Had a lot of views. Unfortunately, since that interview, both the team and Tom's form has dipped. Yeah. But, did we uh, did we kill the days? I don't Everyone's know. Everyone's looking for reasons that the Melbourne Demons did not do too well this year. Yeah. I think you need to start looking at me and Pete. Well, actually, don't start looking at me and Pete. Yeah, don't look at clearly us. the answer, but people haven't gotten onto that yet. Exactly right, but other people's careers have taken off since coming to us. We should do a scoreboard of people that have, like, yeah. whose careers have increased. Bogut? Yeah, Bogut. Got back in the Warriors. Yeah. Mary Kissel, now with the State Department. That's right. So She's that's two president. wins. Tom McDonald, not a win. No, nah, not a win. Not a win, but he did kid six. What did Bogut... Oh, they lost the grand final. They, they did lose the grand final. Okay. I was hoping we would not mention that part, but they did lose the grand but they, final. But he was in the team. When yeah, he, yeah. When he came to us, he signed for like an Australian team. Yeah, so he got back. Uh, well, that was you took away mine. So my favourite oh, okay. was the Andrew Bogan interview. Okay. Because, <laughs> uh, I think that's a look into you and I are as people. But yeah. You went sport, I went sport. Yeah. Uh, but similarly, like that was... That was wild. I can't believe yeah. we had Andrew Brogan on the show. No, that was great. That was early as well. Yeah, that was early on. Um, oh, and also Janet Albrecht and Rod Camp and John Roskam. They were also big. Yeah, <laughs> so just tick, tick, tick. And all our colleagues. Yeah, and all our colleagues. We, uh, sh- we should point out that all our interviews are great. It's yes. Not about picking favourites. Well, are they though? <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but I think we know the interviews are not as good as some of the others. Okay. Anyway, uh, that is it for the show this week. So thanks again to Janet Albrecht and... Uh, and yeah, so thanks so much for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys like the new segments. If you did, get in touch. If you mm. don't, bit of shush. Yep, uh, and uh, yeah, so make sure you're listening to the show through iTunes or any of the podcast apps that are out there. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, make sure you're leaving us, us that five-star review. Uh, really helps us out bringing new people to the show. And yeah, let get in touch. Let us know who won Hero and Villain of the Week. Mm. Let us know your own tips. And make sure you're also subscribing and looking forward. All right, see you guys next week. See ya. You know, I cherish you, my love.